Hello, and welcome back to Poldark Podcast, the internet's only podcast dedicated to the Poldark saga, hosted by the following resident fangirls. Fangirl one is Michelle. I live in the States, and you can find me on Tumblr at Poldark Muses with three M's, and on Twitter at Musings with three M's, just to make life a little difficult. And I'm fangirl number two. My name is Rita, and I live in England. You can find me on Tumblr at Princess of Poldark, and I tweet at Rita Bites. This week's podcast is the fourth in our book club series. We're currently reading The Angry Tide in preparation for series four, and we'll be discussing chapters one through seven of book three. So obviously, we're going to be discussing things that could potentially spoil the season for you. So if you're avoiding spoilers, then we have to bid you good day now. We will see you when the show starts, hopefully soon. Please, (laughs) please. Uh, Let's get on with the book club, shall we? Our first question this week was, what or who has struck you the most in these eight chapters and why? This could be a specific person, storyline, action, and or situation. So um, the other Michelle, she has the following to say. Uh, The way Ross and Demelza's trip to London turned from being very good to very bad due to Ross, Monk Adderley, and a bit of George setting up the the situation. A bit of George setting up the situation. (laughs) Uh, Prairie Cheesehead said, Demelza still has Armitage's poems after all the strain between her and Ross. What the actual fuck, Demelza? Uh, mm -hmm, Girl, I'm going to have a bit of a rant about that in a bit, too. Absolutely addicted, Podaki said, for me, the slithering monk Adderley. Adder in his name, very appropriate. Snake gray eyes is a quote. Once again, the brilliance of Winston Graham shines through. I didn't even notice that. I didn't either. I didn't either. Although I still I still go back to what I said last week where it it seems like such a snidely whiplash kind of villain name, but you know. Yeah. She continues, I found this vile character terrifying, yet I was drawn in and fascinated by his abhorrent predatory behavior. That's the way it is with most of these sociopaths out there. There's something mysteriously fascinating about them, and then they murder you in your sleep. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Evil Evie said, uh, without a doubt, Monk Adderley. I was reading these chapters in the car on a road trip with my family, and there were multiple times when I yelled aloud <laughs> because I was so mad or shocked. Good thing my mum has read the book so she knows where I'm coming from. He was just infuriating. I hated how he spoke to Demelza when he came to her room and said, Do you cry out when a man takes you? <laughs> I, I literally sat there speechless for a moment. Nobody fucking talks to Demelza like that. Well, uh, yeah. Apparently a lot of people do. Ugh. They can. Um, Let's see. And then the bloody duel. The entire storyline made it physically impossible for me to put the book down. Yeah. um, uh, There's a lot of action that takes place in this section of the book. And it moves with a speed that makes the dragginess of the banking stuff in the last session even or section even more draggy. If if that makes any sense. It totally does. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I think this is a much better section of the book, in my opinion. And I love, love, love all the London setting. 
love it. Um, I feel incredibly comfortable in this setting, being a complete avid reader of terrible romance novels. It's like, it's like putting on a comfy pair of pajamas. I'm just like, ah. Uh, the difference being obviously that Winston makes sure to juxtapose the lavish wealth of the ton with that of the bleak slums on the outskirts of the city that was horrible I also just love all of the historical figures being casually thrown in the mix and of course the landmarks of the city like they're just like oh I went down (laughs) to Foxhall Gardens and Strawberry Hill and Drury Lane (laughs) Even a snobby monk mentioning that he's a member of White's made me go like, oh, okay. So he's pretty well connected. I feel ya. Because <laughs> White's was like notoriously classist and mm-hmm. monk, he's like the first generation of gentry in his family. So that's pretty impressive. Um, mm-hmm. I can just imagine George trying to bribe people into getting a voucher for Almax and that fills me with so much joy. <laughs> Side night, I still super hate Regency fashion. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed the hell out of Ross freaking out about the change in fashion. You know, it's like, where's the rest of your gown? That's what it's one of my favorite parts. I I just I just loved London. I thought London was just awesome, just awesome, and it made me get out my um my maps. <laughs> And just kind of, like, follow along where they were. It was fun. Okay, next question. Caroline is home. Thoughts on her return and the plans afoot for a Poldark Ennis trip to the big city? Boop, boop. Um, Other Michelle said, I was impressed with the way Caroline worked through her child's death and was able to begin to live again. She has strength of character in the book, something we have not seen in the current TV show. Prairie Cheesehead um, has a dis- uh, dissenting opinion. Uh, the atmosphere in this scene felt very superficial to me. It felt like there was an elephant or several elephants in the room that they were trying to pretend weren't there. And I'm pretty sure one of them was Sarah's death. Absolutely addicted. Poldarkie said, so happy she is finally home and that she wants Demelza to come to London when she returns for her aunt's reception. I think it's wonderful that she wants all of them to be together. I will forever adore the quartet of friends. Evil Evie says, Yay, Caroline! I was starting to worry for poor Dwight that she would never come back. Thank God she has. And also, yay, a squad trip to London! I'm loving seeing the quartet back together again. Ross described them as a quartet earlier in the book, and it perfectly sums up their relationship. Uh, yeah, I I adore this this fearsome foursome uh, that we have in, in the series. And uh, in this section i just love and particularly in the the london section i love how she takes demelza under her wing when they go shopping it brings back memories of uh verity and demelza's first trip into truro to buy demelza a new gown and writing habit um during the first few months of their marriage um i love that Caroline's character grows um, so much in this book, um, especially, you know, given the the tragedy of her loss. You know, it something like that can either break you or it can uh, force you to uh, grow in ways you hadn't anticipated that you you could. And and I think that that's indeed what winds up happening with Caroline uh, in in this book. Very 
very, very cute friends. And I love them. <laughs> I liked that moment where Demelza realised that the only person she can discuss her marriage now is Caroline. I think it's a very important indication of how far that friendship has come. Like in the previous book, they were like awkwardly making bread together and trying to <laughs> discuss Dwight and Demelza felt like a country bumpkin in comparison. And now they share a very close bond and they're like best friends and they've both shared this experience of losing a child and that's brought them even closer, I think. So our next question, historically non-communicative Ross. Honestly, who is this person? He has some parting words for his brother-in-law. Do you think he handled the situation well? And thoughts on Drake's response. Uh, The other Michelle said that she agrees that Ross appears to have matured and found his words. If only he could have had these insights with his own situation a few (laughs) books ago. (laughs) He gave Drake good advice. Uh, Drake, however, is still in the throes of a romantic obsession. He does not consider that Morwenna's marriage of at least three years to Ozzy could have changed her or that Ozzy's death could have affected her. Because for Drake, it's all about me. That was my little editorial comment. Sorry about that, It was a fantastic impression, though. (laughs) Uh, She goes on to continue on a more positive note. Drake does realize he should not be hanging on to the past, but he's still in able to break free from his obsession. You're my obsession. Prairie Cheese said, <laughs> said, I thought Ross handled it very well. Sympathetic yet firm. Also, the little guilt trip he pulled by invoking Demelza and Sam was kind of a nice touch. <laughs> A-plus manipulation! Anyway, Yay. she continues, Drake is too into wallowing in his own self-pity, and I think Ross told Drake what he needed to hear. Um, absolutely addicted, Poldark, he said. I was much impressed with this new, improved, and matured Ross. I do think he handled the situation well. He stayed positive, realistic, coming from a place of compassion and encouragement. I do think it was hard for him to accept, considering Drake's siblings Sam and Demelza are the complete opposites. I believe he sees some of himself and what he went through with Elizabeth in Drake's circumstances, possibly coming to the realization of how much time he wasted on an imagined ideal, and therefore loathes witnessing this self-defeating behavior in his brother-in-law, when, after all the encouragement Ross has given him, advising him to return to the shop and trying to get him to commit, Drake says, I'll think it over. I can't say. I was rooting for Ross at this point to grab him by the collar and commence <laughs> the ass kicking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are all over this self-defeating behavior. Time to move on, Drake. Oh, the time was three years ago. Christ. Oh, sweet Lord Jesus, yes. Evil Eve, <laughs> Evil Eve said he did. For once, Ross was eloquent and didn't put his foot in his mouth. This was what? such a lovely scene, and Ross obviously sees a lot of himself in Drake. His advice to, quote, build a wall even when there's a hell in your heart and his comparison to what Demelza and Sam would do were actually really effective. Hell, I felt motivated by Ross, what Ross was saying. Drake seems to be on the path to getting over Moena, <laughs> which I'm happy to hear. 
I wouldn't hold my breath, Evil Eve. Not when it comes to Drake. Um, River Woman Rule says, Ross can be very persuasive when he puts his mind to it. Earlier in the Black Moon, when Drake was first moping over Morwenna, Ross convinced him to go to compare. So this is a repeat performance. But Ross was much more communicative when he contrived Dwight and Caroline's reunion in Warlegan. Very true. His pep talk to them in the inn in Plymouth was inspired. One of the reasons I like the novels is Ross's voice and use of language. His witty exchanges with George are priceless. As before, he handled the situation with Drake well. Sometimes I think Drake is a replacement for Jim Carter in Ross's mind. Hmm, hadn't really thought about that. Um, Drake's response is typical. He needs a backbone. Yes. <laughs> I love Ross, but he was way too nice to Drake. Like, that should have been some slapping involved or something, because that boy wasn't making any sense. <sighs> I'm just, I'm really tired of his woe is me attitude. I'm sorry, bro. Were you the one trapped into a marriage and raped every night? What is he complaining about? He's just so goddamn mopey and pathetic. Everyone in his family is bending over backwards to provide him with first a home, and then a business, and then even a freaking wife. And all he's done is whine about how brokenhearted he is for three years. (sighs) If I were Ross, I would slap him. Especially because I just bought him a damn blacksmith's yard. Had it all burned down, then rebuilt it. And he's going to just, like, low-key abandon it because he's like, oh, he doesn't know if he feels like it. It's just the height of self-involvement. For all this talk of how similar Drake and Demelza are, I don't freaking see it. Demelza would never just drop all her responsibilities and sit around feeling sorry for herself. Yeah, the the comparison about how the two of them are, are, are so much alike, I honestly think it is only based on their physical appearance because as far as you know strength the backbone and all the other kind of stuff it just ain't there it just ain't there thank you jesus ross has finally reached this point he's finally gotten the point across to drake the one thing that makes me want to growl at the boy is how thoroughly he's forgotten rosina you know yes i know she's forgiven him because she is a boss, okay? But it's as if he's just excised that part of his brain out of his head. I'm going to call him a wanker. Dude. Yes, I did. Yeah, you know, in my awful American accent, wanker. Yeah. Is that a little better? I don't <laughs> Or should I just, just stop? <laughs> I appreciate the effort. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Ugh, Drake. Okay, next question. Uh, London awaits, and Demelza expresses similar concerns she's had any time she's been faced with a challenge. Discuss. Other Michelle said, I find Demelza's worry about London society entirely reasonable. Demelza has never forgotten her roots and has never pretended to be anything other than what she is. She's learned how to act like a lady, but she knows that she is not a lady. She's about to be thrown into the most sophisticated society in the country. She was right to be concerned and a bit hesitant. Yeah, Prairie Cheesehead says, Part of me is sad that she still has these insecurities. Another part of me is annoyed that she still has these insecurities. Absolutely addicted Podaki said, Demelza never forgets. 
much to her own detriment at times, her humble beginnings. Understandable to a degree, she was without a role model in her early years. I know Ross helped slash encouraged her and Verity too, but you would think after spending time with Caroline and rubbing shoulders in genteel society and socialising and entertaining with the likes of Lord Bassett and Boscoen, she would be less intimidated by now. I felt that Ross was having some difficulty in understanding her insecurities as well. At times, her common sense earthiness is a blessing, but at moments like this, however, those doubts and insecurities are a curse. Uh, Eva Levy said, Even after all these years, the Melza still doubts herself. If she were real, I would just give her a hug and tell her how amazing she is. Yeah. Ross tries to do that, but of course, in his own cynical, slightly bleak way, London swallows everything. It's funny how her concerns about fitting into polite society is yet another common thread throughout the series, tracing back to the very first book when Demelza spends Christmas at Trenwith. I hope she realizes eventually that she can overcome any challenge that stands in her way. You know how I'm always whining and whinging about the fact that they've given a whole crap ton of 21st century qualities onto TV Demelza? Yeah. <laughs> familiar with that yeah probably so well this is one area where i would absolutely love to see a little bit more 20th century confidence in her character yeah yeah i mean i find it so frustrating at times you know even though i know countless women who struggle with their own self-confidence you know i think that we all have an area where we don't quite feel um the best and the most self-confident um but you know i also you know, myself included, but I, you know, I also know that, you know, it's up to me to, to try and, and, and deal with these insecurities and, and get myself to move forward. Uh, you know, I, I just think, I, I suppose I'm just raging at a wall <laughs> over the whole thing, but I think we can do it, bitches. Yeah. We really can. We can do this. And Demelza, you're so awesome. You can do this. It's uh, really interesting that everybody's reacted like this because I personally find Demelza's hang-ups about class to be one of the most realistic aspects of her character and something I personally relate to. But then I live in England and I know and live with these class dynamics on a daily basis and I find mm. that it's less to do with insecurity than you would think. Mm. You can know your own worth and be a confident person and still struggle in these kind of environments because of how clicky and idiosyncratic those raised in the upper class are. It's mm. just really intimidating to socialize with a lot, like a whole generation of people who grew up together and they all were privately educated together and they give each other really dumb nicknames like Pooey. <laughs> And, you know, they all holiday together and you don't really have those experiences to relate to. It's just awkward. And that's how I feel now. Imagine them also thinking you were somehow intellectually or biologically inferior because of your birth. That was the attitude of the 18th century. Anyway, Demelza's incredibly rational in her fears, I think. I get it. And that's a really, that's a really good point. Um, I think that... Uh, especially for those of us that that live in the states, you know, class is something that that exists. Uh, you know, we've got you know the upper class, middle class, lower class, you know, that type of thing. However, it's not as pervasive from a social 
perspective, you know, like you don't see a whole lot of folks uh, who are um, kind of mixing uh, within the the classes all that much. And, and really, I, and I know I'm speaking from a, a space of bias when when I say uh, the following, but I think uh, the issue of race is much more of a prevalent issue here in the States than class is. I would Although, agree. personally, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I think that 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 we would be better off if we flipped it and we're looking at um, how the class divides are being problematic because we've got people of all races within each of the classes. And so, but anyway, I, I'm not I'm not going to get off on this tangent <laughs> because, um, you know, we could we could be here for a year. So. Uh, but I totally get what you're saying and really appreciate your perspective on this. It's helping moderate my, come on, girl, we can do this kind of thing, you know, and not being quite so hard on her. Yeah. Um, our next question was cute. Uh, <laughs> Rosten to Mills' first week in London is a favorite of Ramilza fans everywhere. Uh, what surprised you from their interactions? Uh, other Michelle said what surprised me was the playfulness of some of their interactions. Ross and Demelza never courted and had few opportunities to do anything for fun and to enjoy each other's company. Absolutely addicted Poldark, he said, I love Winston Graham's, quote, unalloyed happiness, end quote, description for their first five days. Perfect. That is such a great phrase. That is such a great phrase. Depressingly, only five days. <laughs> only five days, I know. It's like, God, they deserve at least a couple years of this. But, you know, can't have that now, can we? It's Poldark. No, we can't have <laughs> nice things. So she continues with, for me, this section was pure heaven and much needed. Their banter is so fun and slightly provocative, yet very loving. Reminded me of their early romance, the playfulness. And Ross, considering comments like, quote, when I undressed you, you seemed like a long-legged cool kitten, slightly damp with sweat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. This dialogue. Damn, Ross. I guess what surprised me was even though they have reconciled uh, together again as a married couple, enjoyed one another, Ross is showing his insecurities when telling Demelza, appearing in her new dress, if she damped anything, he would smack her. (laughs) And he seemed to be unbelieving when Demelza tells him she's happy and he asks why. And then he says he is reluctant that so many men should see much of her. The anger is lying just below the surface. Yeah. Uh, Evil Evie said, I love this section so much. I feel this is the first time since the Q affair that Ross and Demelza have truly been at peace. They're in love and happy and I adore it. What surprised me is how quickly they let their walls down and seem to be able to laugh with each other again. A perfect example of of this is the incredibly cute mummy scene. (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene so much! (laughs) Uh, Since they started off this book with a lot of tension and distrust in their relationship, it's all the more heartwarming to see them so content together. Debbie, please don't screw that scene up or I will be beyond pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) Co-signed. Yes, yes. Uh, Perichi said, said, Ross's playfulness. I think that was my favorite part of the whole section, that he was able to let loose and make jokes. 
For me, uh, this is the favorite part of the saga, period. Um, I simply adore the fact they've been able to escape all the crap that's been swirling around them in Cornwall. And for the first week at least, are able to have a time where they're enjoying their relationship again. And then George has to spoil the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Cannot stand that asshole. Oh, damn it, George. Miserable, miserable little... Twat? Yeah. Oh, and uh, Demelza's comments about not being proper to be nude during the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless her. <laughs> you know, we were talking about her insecurities before, and another one of her insecurities is her figure, oddly enough. Um, you know, especially uh, when she's pregnant. You know, the, her comments are, are are slightly reminiscent of things that she has to say about herself when when she's pregnant i just want to oh honey bunny bun you're gorgeous obviously everybody is throwing yeah. themselves at her um <laughs> yeah i thought it was great mm. to see ross's sense of humor return briefly hi i remember you mm-hmm. um <laughs> i lived for the great dress fiasco of 1899 <laughs> is it a petticoat is it a dress who the hell cares when these two are being cute, cute, cute. So cute. And I will say, and I know I, I said that I, I didn't want to try and, and say any Dear Debbies, please, you know, but honest to God. Please, Debbie. Please give me this scene. Please. 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 <sighs> okay. Onward. Monk Adderley people. Discuss. Because there is a lot to discuss about him and his interaction with the Poldarks in this section. <sighs> Prairie Cheesehead said, I'm listening to the Audible book. Monk's speech affectation makes me think he's a fop and a dandy. He's a creep. I don't know what else to say about the guy. He's a poncy, horrid, foppish, manipulative, predatory, creepy asshole. I feel like Demelza <laughs> is in a catch-22 situation. If she's polite, Adley takes it as encouragement. If she tells him to get bent and leave her alone, she's probably committing some social faux pas that she thinks will start gossip and poke at her insecurities. Absolutely addicted, Poldark, he said. This guy is dangerous. Very bad news. His manipulations, strategic maneuvers, how very carefully he attempts to seduce Demelza, all very predatory. Uh, once again, Demelza is the target of a manipulator, but this time I believe she is afraid. And she should be. This man has an agenda. Thank you, George. And his hands-on. <laughs> Definitely not writing poetry. Uh, he will not be satisfied until he has cuckolded Ross. Unfortunately, due to her insecurities and, and not being exactly sure of herself and how to behave in polite society allows him to get too far. She may have even been afraid of embarrassing Ross. She is trying to be polite, much to her own detriment, though. I felt sorry for her when, after the play, Ross accur- accuses her of encouraging him. As a reader, we are also frustrated because you know she is capable of taking care of herself. Remember Captain McNeil, y'all? We never forget. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, but it is all due to being in London, mingling in society, and not knowing exactly how to behave, I guess. I was so relieved when, at the party, Ross comes up behind her and slips his hand into her glove. And in contrast, so afraid when Monk appears in their room when Ross is away. Terrifying. 
Evil Eve said, honestly don't know where to begin. Winston Graham is a master at creating iconic yet utterly despicable characters, and Monk is definitely one of them. From the locks of hair in his buttons of the man he has killed. Ugh. Creepy. Oh, the scar yeah. on his head, his foppish style of clothing, his disrespect for women and anyone who doesn't give him what he wants, and his insatiable bloodlust and sex drive. He is quite a character. Almost like a dark mirror of Ross, I don't think it was a mistake that he was written like a cliched romance novel hero. As I said earlier, I hated the disrespectful way he treated Demelza. He completely deserved that grab by the cravat from Ross during the Parliament session. But of course, Monk challenges Ross to a duel, and of course, Ross, still hurting and unable to take out his anger on Hugh, accepted. I'm not sad to see Monk go, but I worry about the consequences his death will have on Ross, especially as George is rousing uncertainty over whether Monk's demise really was, quote, death by misadventure. <sighs> so also a bit of an aside, but I wanted to say how hilarious the scene between Ross and Monk's teenage sidekick Andromeda was. Quote, is it past your bedtime? Whenever Ross teases someone, it's always a laugh. <laughs> and aside from me, I loved the character of Dromina, of Andromina. She is just a wild ride. A half-naked 17-year-old girl who is too bored by everything going on. Give me more. <laughs> oh, God, I did love that. Is it past your bedtime? <laughs> and she was like, you're so funny. You're so... Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> God, she would have been great to see in a modern adaptation of this of this story. Oh my God, that would have been great. Uh, River Woman Rule says, I've read this book several times, and with each reading I find Demelza's interactions with Monk unbelievable. What is it with Demelza and creeps? She acts like a coquette. Whoa. Yeah. No, woman in, <laughs> no woman trying to rebuild her husband's trust in her would allow a creep like Monk the intimacies that she does, especially the pawing in front of her man, and her excuse that she was engrossed with the play is pitiful. Damn. No play is worth that type of trade-off. No, Demelza was titillated. Her whiny excuse that she's just a minor's brat who doesn't know how to behave with, an aristocrat with aristocratic men is tired. When Ross calls her on her appropriate beha inappropriate behavior, her anger and defiance is inexcusable. And the whole thing with her hoarding Monk's flowers? Insensitive. No matter how much Graham tries to martyrize her, I've lost respect and fondness for Demelza in the last two books. <gasps> oh my god! I know. First of all, um, thank you for sharing this opinion, uh, River Woman Rules, because... You know, I think that that you you know have listened to us long enough to know that that uh, you know we think Demel's is pretty awesome. Um, I know Rita thinks that she's absolutely brilliant. I tend to be a little uh, pokier about some of the things that happens, um, so it's it's nice to get alternate opinions about the characters in these books. No one is immune. Having said that. Having said that, Rita, hard disagreement for me. Um, I don't think that Demelza is brilliant at shutting down men's attention towards her. Long history of men creeping on her and her barely saying anything. 
<sighs> but I think to blame her instead of the creepy sexual predators that pursue her is a very misogynistic take on the situation. Especially given the period we're in where manners, etiquette, and social conventions governed how a woman could respond to such a thing. The fact that Monk Adley ignored all of her many rebuffs and then invited himself into her apartment when she was out is <sighs> just so incredibly beyond the scope of acceptable behaviour and I think he is 100% responsible in this situation. You might have more of a case when we're discussing the other guy she had a flirtation with, but in this case I'm just like, nope. Not her fault. Ugh, no. You know me, I really want us to be, you know, I want us all to be uh, responsible for our behavior. And that's men and women. Um, and so I was much more frustrated with Demelza's uh, behavior in Four Swans with Armitage uh, than I was in this situation. However, I do have a few things to say about uh, this situation in just a few minutes. Other Michelle said, slimy, 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 pretentious, vapid. Just yuck. <laughs> <laughs> Ross and Demelza put up with him far too long. Demelza should have kicked him out sooner than she did. Yes! Oh, the flowers are so pretty, I can't toss them. Yes, you can! <laughs> Woman, oh, I must be me be polite. No, you don't! You don't! Oh, uh, sorry, Rita, <laughs> go on. As she continues with Ross, 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 the duel was completely uncalled for. The foreshadowing suggest suggests that the duel was not about Monk Adley so much as Ross coming to terms with Demelza's infidelity. I do not have to point out Ross's hypocrisy, but Demelza handled Ross's infidelity much better than he handled hers. Uh, okay. Uh, seriously? Honestly, I think if women could have gotten away with dueling, I'm certain TV Demelza wouldn't have hesitated to reload those dueling pistols that he had on the wall. Um, and I would have had the same reaction to that as I did the, the slap that she gave Ross upside the head, but let's not reopen that particular can of worms again. No. Mm -mm. Uh, what pisses me off about the whole Monk Adderley thing is that the motherfucker that set the whole thing in motion, George, is never, ever revealed. It's another thing that he gets away with. Doing the least and causing the most damage. You've got to respect exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> and my earlier screeding aside, Ross, uh, you're getting a trademark <laughs> added back to your name, you idiot. We're handing those out like candy at this point. Exactly, exactly. It's raining trademarks. Um, <laughs> technically, the duel very, could very well have been justified in the rules of the day. And I went deep into the interwebs to do some some research about dueling. And, you know, everything that, that wound up happening, uh, you know, the, the whole insult, the slap, the, you know, the blah, 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 you know, that was... That was typical of dueling. But it was still an incredibly stupid thing to do, Ross! So dumb! The thought of what would happen to Demelza and his children didn't cross his mind for a second. And there were all kinds of ways to get out of a duel. I mean, you know, Dwight is, is like flinging him at them like like bubblegum or something like that. He's, he's like, you said sorry! He said sorry! You guys, he totally said sorry! It's fine! And then everybody's like, <laughs> it didn't count. He didn't mean it. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, you know, did he opt for any of these reasons? Nope. Not a one. 
Stupid idiot. And all of the stupidity that happened after the duel was completed? Why didn't you leave when you were told to do so? You fucking twit! It's like, I want to get caught. It's like, oh my god, you idiot man! Um, in the end, Monk Adderley was actually the one who killed Monk Adderley. For if he'd stuck to the code of dueling, the second shot never would have happened. And it was the second shot that damaged Ross's arm and shifted his aim so that the bullet struck Adderley in the gut. Uh, hashtag, I watch too many true crime shows. Are you going to start recreating it? Let me hire some actors. Let me hire some actors. We'll get them dressed up in period costume. We'll have them doing it over. It'll be awesome. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm sighing the sigh of a woman who has read too many jewel plots and wants to stab herself in the eyes whenever they come up anymore. <laughs> <sighs> They're about as abundant as single handsome dukes, it seems. There's so many. Mm -hmm. I know. There's only like half a dozen in the country, but you, if you read enough books, you'd think there were like thousands of them. Exactly. Anyway, I think jewels are dumb, immature, and often fought over, quote, honor in a way that stems from some really deep misogyny. And I fully understand that Monk Adley was a complete creep and that Ross wasn't the one who called the jewel. But just to accept it in itself is an act of mind-blowing stupidity. <laughs> I was totes on Dwight's side on this. I actually, for once, I'm going to say that I quite enjoyed the performance of the audible narrator because when he was doing the whole Dwight Ross conversation, Dwight was just like, "What? What? You accepted it? What? 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 Very squeaky Dwight, I appreciate it. Um, yes. I think this obviously parallels with earlier in the series when Ross had to patch up Francis's bullet wound from Francis's dumb foray into dueling. Remember that? Yeah. That was Yeah, yeah, ugh. that was stupid. Anyway, but now Ross has basically become a version of Francis. Just an angry shell of a man ruled by his <coughs> anger and misplaced jealousy. Will these Podark men ever learn? <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Hopefully they do. Well, there are 12 books. <laughs> yeah. That was probably our first giveaway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next question was, what you say, Jeffrey Charles? Absolutely addicted, Poldark, he said. Uh-oh. Well, Jeffrey Charles, you've done it now. Forget about finishing your schooling. I would not be surprised if Uncle George cut you off completely. I hope it isn't going to be a repeat. Um, better have that Bible ready, Elizabeth. And just when things were going well, the calm before the storm? This is not good, because the wound has been reopened. Evil Eve said, Uh-oh, I bet this little joking comment will be enough to stir up Georgie's suspicion over Valentine's parentage again. Oh, at least Elizabeth will think that it has. Other Michelle said, Teenage boys are generally not very observant. So if the resemblance between Valentine and Ross was so noticeable that Geoffrey Charles commented on it, then it had to be pretty obvious. You knew the issue was going to come back up. Elizabeth already played her trump card with the swearing slash lying on the Bible. She's going to hell for that. She does not have anything left to use to make George believe that Valentine is her son. George is not an idiot. He can see the resemblance between Ross and Valentine, and Aunt Agatha's words are always lingering in the mind. 
prediction, this will not end well for George, Elizabeth, or Valentine. Jeffrey Charles is just a clueless teenage boy. And, and I think I want to give him a, a smaller idiot trademark, a little tiny one. However, and I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound a little, what you mean by that? Uh, one thing that this demonstrates is how the simplest comment can have a massive ripple effect. Oh, doesn't it always in Pollock? Mm, yep. Um, but I would also like to say that, um, and this may be a little spoilery, in a future book, uh, Verity makes a comment about Valentine and his kind of behavior, his bearing, uh, his his manner, resembling Joshua. So it makes me think that the physical, yeah, the the physical. Uh, resemblance between Ross and Valentine is not as um, prevalent as we might be led to believe, especially after watching series three, you know, and seeing, you know, how straight the the Ross and Demelza Poldark children's hair is. And meanwhile, baby Valentine looks like a little mini Aiden. This reminded me of one of my greatest disappointments. I'm sorry. Hey, you know. But, you know, the little baby Valentine looks like a little miniature Aiden for the most part. But anyhow, I, I tend to think that the physical... the little girl. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah ooh, uh, the, the physical resemblance between Ross and Valentine isn't so prevalent that it is more the, the manner, the behavior, that type of thing is much more dark pole dark. But that's all I'm going to say about it. Because if y'all want to continue reading this series, you'll learn more about that. But anyway. Don't really understand how him, like a little child rocking back and forth on a rock. Looking wall, really intense. Attitudes. Like he's like, oh, it's just like rock. I know. Really? I know. It's that was the kid playing. Yeah, that was just really kind of a, a dumb throwaway. Actually dumb. <sighs> but and I find Jeffrey Charles to be quite dumb. <laughs> Oh, things he's the things he's learned while he's been away at school. Somebody should teach him to sh- keep his mouth closed. I know, right? That's, Ugh. It's just like you can't say shit like that around George, <laughs> and he knows better. Yeah, he is not a little kid anymore. This is a teenage boy. Yep, I am very disappointed in his behavior, <sighs> and uh, just look what you've done. Yeah. Exactly. Look what you made George do. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Look what you just made me do. Look what you just made me Exactamundo. So, next question. Can you pick out a passage that strikes you as particularly profound or interesting? Please share it and why. Absolutely addicted, Poldark, he said. Quote, I'll tell you what is best for the other man, always, and that's work. Work is a challenge. I've told you, I tried to drink myself out of my misery once. It didn't succeed. Only work did. It's the solvent to so much. Build yourself a wall, even if there's hell in your heart. And when it's done, even at the end of the first day, you'll feel better. I love this quote. Ross, through his life experience at this moment, was speaking from the heart and was being truthful. Hard work was his savior and always has been. 
Feeling sorry for oneself gets you nowhere. Evil Eve said Winston's description of Demelza's first impression of London was absolutely stunning. Outstanding in terms of historical research and also just amazing writing. Mm -hmm. Quote, so to the Thames. The windows of the coach, which had been tight closed to keep out the smells, were open to let the better air in. The river seemed to have thousands small boats on it, people being ferried here and there. Ten oared barges, sailing ships tacked and luffed, and in some amazing fashion not colliding with each other. A forest of masts further down, and a great dome. St. Paul's, Ross said. As they crossed a bridge, the lights were going on. Link boys were rushing around lighting the three and four branch lamps which hung from posts in the street. It became a sudden fairyland. All the squalor and the dirt and the stenches were swallowed up by the evening dark and the opaque light cast on the streets from these crystal globes. Very good section. Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember the It Became a Sudden Fairyland. Mm -hmm. And just I can picture her looking in amazement as these things happened. Other Michelle said, Chapter 4, Part 3, in which Ross accuses Demelza of encouraging Monk's affections to cuckold him. Ross still does not trust Demelza's fidelity, even though she is trying to regain his trust post-Hugh Armitage. She's not given him any reason to doubt her. More hypocrisy on Ross's part, as after his night with Elizabeth, he met Elizabeth in the graveyard and did not tell Demelza until much later, and crashed George's party where he, quote, ran into Elizabeth again. It would seem that she had and has more reason to distrust Ross's fidelity than the other way around. <clears throat> Go in, Michelle! <clears throat> well, you know, because I'm the resident Ross defender around here, um, I've got to speak up about this. You know, at one point in their marriage, Ross made the assumption that Demelza would not stray from it. He trusted her good common sense to keep her from doing so. And and during that period of time, you know, they were actually talking about this individual that was smarming around at the, the edges of their marriage, Hugh Armitage. Um, and so Ross was basically putting his trust in Demelza that it wouldn't happen. And it did. And that trust was betrayed. Um... Second, despite his efforts to discuss the Armitage situation with her, the one thing Demelza has not done is allow that discussion to take place. He's attempted to bring it up a couple times, um, you know, before they get anywhere near London, and he is shut down each time. Third, uh, Ross has had a couple of encounters with Elizabeth post that night in May, but have we forgotten that Demelza has kept the poems that moldering Lothario wrote to her and drags them out on the regular, wondering how she could have inspired so much passion? Um, I suppose it's because Elizabeth is still alive that it makes some people consider what he's doing to be more egregious. Um, and I call bullshit on that. Just because Hugh is dead doesn't mean that he doesn't continue to have power to threaten this marriage. I fully understand that I may be alone in this opinion, but I don't really have a problem with her keeping his stupid, dumb poems. And oh my god, they were so bad. <laughs> Why keep those dumbass poems? Anyway, 
I just think because he is in fact dead, the way she goes over those notes in the book is described. I don't know. It just sounds more like an act of mourning than some kind of lingering feeling of lost love. I think she looks at those poems and she thinks about how young he was and all of that lost potential in his life and all that bullshit you get with mortality. As much as some of us wish she had never met the douchebag, she did. And I guess she has a right to grieve that loss with whatever memories she has of him, whatever. You know, and I know, you're not the first person I've met in the fandom that feels like this. Um, You know, that, you know her keeping the poems is like no big deal blah 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 i'm personally still baffled by it um you know particularly because of the devastation the entire relationship caused uh within her marriage uh that she would have kept those things there are other ways to remember a person that you've lost um rather than keeping all of these poems that led you down this path of infidelity um you know in a little pouch that you haul out from time to time it's not like now where you can just like go into your phone and look at all the texts he sent you like what else does she have of him like it's a it's an like awkward situation it's like definitely love notes and that's like fucked up. But then I'm like, does she have anything else to She has the memory. Hold on to. She has the memory. Does she need to have a physical reminder, a tactile physical reminder of this person in order to be able to effectively mourn him? I would argue no. I mean, some people do. Like everybody mourns differently. I that's that know. is true. The scene of them in bed with Demelza trying to explain her actions with Monk and why she reacts the way she does mm-hmm. had me just exceptionally frustrated with Ross because Demelza's essentially explaining that she's being sexually harassed by a much more socially important and therefore powerful man. And instead of understanding the precarious position she's being put in, because let's face it, if she rebuffs him, he'll likely ruin her reputation anyway. And probably the reputation of her family and just everything will go cocks up. Ross just thinks about himself and his feelings of jealousy, which is understandable given Mm -hmm. what happened previously. I just also want to knock some common sense into him and make him understand what it's like being a woman who's being hit on and not being able to just like punch them. Um, Maybe it's just he's because he's a man though, you know, they don't understand. Yeah. Um, you know, here's a question that I have. Um, did she ever think to tell anyone about what Adderley was putting her through? You know, it's not as if she was completely alone in the situation. Like, she had no one that she could, that she could talk to. She had some individuals who could have provided her some insight about what to do, you know. And Ross, of course, is one person that she could have turned to. But if we're avoiding the whole manly man you know here i come to save the day crap she could have turned and asked caroline you know she could have said you know caroline i've got this dude that's doing xyz what should i do i'm sure caroline has run into similar situations before caroline would have been the perfect person to talk to 
about this. And if anything about all the stuff that's happening today regarding the hashtag MeToo movement, um, anything that, 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 that makes clear is there are many, many more of us who can provide insight and encouragement and advice on what to do if you've got someone that is behaving this way. Um, I do remember that they, she did talk to Caroline about Monk Adley and Caroline tells her to just to treat it as if it's a joke, which in hindsight actually <laughs> did not help the situation because she repeats that to Ross and Ross is like, well, this isn't a joke. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> okay, so Caroline, so Caroline is basically giving her piss poor advice. Yeah, but I'm wondering if if Caroline, the situation is different for Caroline because she is of socially more important standing. Right, 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 right. She wouldn't get pressured in the same way. Right. Like, so she can't really relate to the problem, I think, is what's happening. Right, 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 right. Just impossible. Oh, it. it really is. It really is. But you know, one of the things that this this shines a light on is Winston Graham's freaking brilliant writing. How does he know? I mean, like, he's not a woman. How does he know? I mean, my God, my God. Oh, dude, you're just a genius, man. He he really gets he gets the dynamics between the sexes, doesn't absolutely. He? Damn it. he sure he does. Just captures it. He sure does. Anyhow. So our last question was a question or observation of your choice. You had a free-for-all. This is, of course, optional, but feel free to share whatever question or observation you've made about the book so far. Let's see. Absolutely addicted Poldark, he said. Uh, First, uh, how apropos that Monk Adderley's predatory behavior situation uh, is today. Um, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Considering Winston Graham wrote this in the 1970s at the height of the feminist women's rights movement, bringing to light the suffering women endured throughout the centuries. And we now have come full circle 40 years later. Here we are in the midst of the hashtag me too, Harvey Weinstein sexual harassment, uh, situation. You would, and I'm sure Winston Graham thought we would, uh, in the year 2018, be at a point in our society where mutual consideration and respect of one another and between the sexes was the norm. Hmm, there's a lesson here somewhere. (laughs) Secondly, she said, um, I just have to say how much I adored the chapter uh, number two, section three. uh, Ross and Demelza in their room. So well written. Such a joy to read. As a reader follower of this saga, it was like a salve to a wound. It made me smile, and I won't say one word about the adaptation. Not one. Thank you, Winston Graham. (laughs) I just want to mention that the end of that section is like Ross telling the servant, I know breakfast is ready now, but we'll be down in I know, I know. Because yes. I'm about to get busy with my mummy of a wife. Yay. Yay, y'all. So cute. <sighs> uh, River Woman Rules said, throughout the novels, Graham excels at depicting deaths. He opens the saga with Joshua Poldark's poignant death, and saga readers will know how he ends the first set of books. Like Ross, I'm still affected by baby Julia's death. 
Both Ozzy and Monk's deaths are surprising and almost anticlimactic in their abruptness. But unlike Aunt Agatha and Francis's final touching thoughts, Monk's are sadistic. His, quote, I wish I'd killed that man, end quote, bitterness at Ross's escape makes me happy that Monk is gone and can't harass anyone else. <clears throat> yeah. He was fucking creepy. He is. Uh, Evil Evie said, uh, I want to share that I'm finding so many parallels between Poldark and the musical Hamilton in these past chapters. Same. Yeah. The entire book series has many similarities with the musical, which I won't spoil for those of you who haven't seen Listen to Hamilton. But all I'll say is that they include 18th century politics, a rivalry between our reckless main character, Cough Ross, and a more reserved cunning opponent, Cough George, the loss of a child, infidelity, and several fateful duels. All of the songs are available to listen to for free on YouTube and Spotify. Highly recommended if you're after a powerful and compelling story like Poldark. My personal headcanon is that those two ran into each other during the American Revolution. Oh my god, would that be awesome? Somebody write that fan. <laughs> Just gotta say, between Drake being goddamn awful, Ross killing a dude, Georgia Monk's disgusting wager. What are we in she's all that? <laughs> and then Jeffrey Charles being a general shit starer, I pretty much lost all faith in the men of Poldark. But then I remembered that Dwight existed. Good old Dwight. Yay. How awesome is Dwight, ladies and gentlemen? We really need to praise him for being the only shining light in this series sometimes. Right now specifically, I would include Sam, but Winston seems to have forgot he existed. <laughs> Yay, Dwight! <laughs> Um, uh, I agree with everything except for Jeffrey Charles being a shitster. I mean, he's an inadvertent shitster. He doesn't know that... I mean, he knows that his words have consequences. He's not an idiot. But like... he doesn't know that what he's saying is like... He doesn't know how bad what he's saying is. He thinks that he's just being a slight shit. Yes. He's just being like, let's remind George of Russ. Yes. Instead of, let's remind George that that son is actually Ross's. <laughs> but it's still a shitty thing to do, in my opinion. All right, fine. I'm not. Especially because his mother is right yeah. there. You're doing it in front of your mother. <laughs> Come on. Oh, God, it's Poldark News time. Yes. Poldark News. Poldark News. Well, it's more like Poldark adjacent news, because... Eleanor's going to star in a new adaptation of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds, because we haven't had enough of this. <laughs> uh, it's for the BBC. Her co-stars are actually pretty awesome. Rafe Spall, Robert Carlyle, and Rupert Graves. Yeah. Um, it's another Mammoth Screen production, and you can find the very first image of her in the role on their Instagram. She's looking pretty sharp. Yeah, the images just look awesome. And in actual Poldark news, there's still no air date for season four. Ugh, nor have they given us any trailer that might soothe our aching hearts and fill our dashes with gift sets galore. Hashtag, why are we waiting? Hashtag, oh yeah, because we are suckers for the Poldark. And hopefully we won't complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. don't hold us to that nah, exactly. um, that's it from us this week thank you all for listening 
We'll be back in two weeks with the last of our book club episodes, so be sure to read the last few chapters of The Angry Tide, and then head on over to the blog at poldarkpodcast.tumblr.com to read the discussion topics we have. We really love hearing from you guys, and you can submit all of your answers by either reblogging the post on Tumblr with your answers, or you can email us at poldarkpodcast at gmail.com. We're also all over your social medias under the name Poldark Podcast to make things super simple. So give us a follow for some fun extras. Okay, that's enough plugging. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.